We can come as we are because Jesus loves us. A couple of weeks ago when we started this series, The Unexpected Life, and by the way, given the events of the last few weeks, I'm never preaching on this after this series is done. (laughs) I've had enough of the unexpected. But one of the key things on that day was just that reminder that Jesus loves you. If you've been at church for a while, it's real easy to dismiss that. We've heard it. We've sung it. We've got the t-shirt that says it. But you see, it's really the gospel in a phrase, Jesus loves you. It's what it's all about. And I am convinced that this morning, many of you here and many of you that are watching online need to be reminded and need to hear emphatically that right where you are, as you are, wherever you are, Jesus loves you. For you see, that's really the greatest unexpected thing in the world because we know us, right? As Jody shared her testimony last week, The overwhelming part of that was God's grace and his love. And see, that's not just her story. That's anybody's story who says yes. And before you say yes, he still loves you. In fact, right at this moment, Jesus Christ loves you as much as he will ever love you. And he's never going to love you any less than he does right now. So whatever you've thought, whatever you've heard this week, whatever memories you have, realize Jesus loves you. One of the greatest pictures of that, of an unexpected one whom Jesus loved is in the New Testament in the Gospel of John, chapter 8. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So I invite you to turn in your Bibles or the Bible under the seat in front of you or on your devices, wherever you can find it, to John chapter 8. We're going to be looking at the first 11 verses of this chapter. But let me just recap from the first two weeks of this series. The first week we looked at Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16. We said that we need to realize that Even in the unexpected, we need to do what we already know to do. And we need to not be surprised when the unexpected happens and when hardships are a part of that unexpected. Even for followers of Christ, tough times will come. We need to be reminded to give God praise anyway. Not for the lousy stuff, but for who he is even in the lousy stuff. We don't thank him for missing a Sunday morning because we're in the hospital. Not one time last Sunday did I thank him for that. But I did thank him that he was still watching over me when I wasn't where I wanted to be. We need to give God praise anyway for who he is. We need to look and listen for unexpected opportunities 
One of the things with all this stuff that's gone on for me in the last six weeks, unexpected medically and physically, has been, okay, Lord, if I'm here, then you have some reason for this, not just the physical side. And I just made it a point that whenever anybody walked into my room, whether they were coming in to clean, to give me something, to take something, or whatever it might be, that I was going to give them my attention and talk to them, ask them about themselves. God opened some interesting doors, so much so that on one occasion, a nurse said, I'd love to sit down and talk to you about Jesus. <laughs> Look for, listen for the opportunities, even in the unexpected. And then learn to live boldly, even in the unexpected. People expect those who are going through difficult times to shrink. But when we rise up boldly, in spite of difficult times, when we rise up boldly, even in the good that is sometimes unexpected, it makes a difference. And then two weeks ago, we looked at the story of Lazarus in John chapter 11. We need to recognize that God's timing is better than ours. Both sisters, Mary and Martha, said, Jesus, if you'd have been here, our brother wouldn't have died. And when Jesus left, he was alive. His timing is always better than ours. And also, we need to make sure we leave room for God to work. Some of us are so planning-oriented that we just kind of schedule God out of everything. We get our schedule in place and we work out our plans and then ask God to touch those. <laughs> Instead of saying, God, what's your plan? Because that one's already blessed. Let me follow it. We also looked and said that we have to realize that God cares deeply for you and your circumstances. Jesus loves you. Even with your past. Even in your present. Jesus loves you. And then we understood that God desires to unwrap you or unleash you of anything that is keeping you buried or bound. And let me just add, we have a role in that for others. In John chapter 11, in verse 44, Jesus told those standing near Lazarus, unwrap him. Jesus didn't unwrap him. He said, you do it. We have a role to play in helping others to become unbound and unburied. Which brings us to this morning. And the greatest unexpected, which is unexpected grace. Now let me just make sure you understand grace, God's grace, whenever we recognize it, is always unexpected. We never expect it, even when we know it, because again, we know us. Also, we've heard enough from the enemy who has told us we don't deserve it, and he's right. He just forgets to add, but we get it anyway. <laughs> it is not a deserving thing, or it wouldn't be grace. We haven't earned it. It's not meritorious. It's given freely by God. 
Because he loves us. And he not only loves us, he loves us unconditionally. Our world doesn't understand that. Because we rarely love unconditionally. That's unfortunate. We're to love as Jesus did, which means we love each other unconditionally. Not just when we can get something. I heard a a pastor I'm acquainted with even just this morning in a different time zone who was sharing that they have a little dog that will doesn't really like people, but whenever his young daughter has food, the dog loves her. <laughs> and that the daughter constantly is giving food to the dog and the dog is wonderful and nice and allows her to pet him and everything else, but said as soon as the daughter runs out of food, the dog growls at her. You go, well, that's terrible. And we do that to each other. What can you do for me instead of how can I show you love? We keep track of things. A friend calls us and says, hey, can you help me move this? You go, I don't know. I've helped you three times. You haven't helped me. You owe me. Love doesn't have owing in it. Jesus loves you. As you are, his grace, love, mercy, and forgiveness is unexpected. Look at this and listen to this from scripture. John chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. It says, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives early in the morning, and he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, placing her in the midst. They said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? They said this to test him that they might have some charge against to bring against him. But Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger in the ground. As they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, They went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. And Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and from now on sin no more. Unexpected grace. Neither do I condemn you. She'd been caught in the act. You say, what about the guy? The the rules of culture at that time were completely unfair between men and women. Jesus Christ brought the kind of equality that people march about today. The same kind of love and forgiveness. Unexpected grace. You have to understand the scene. They grabbed her, forcibly brought her before Jesus. And the whole group that brought her had stones in their hand. Picture this now. She's by herself. 
She's surrounded by those who it is obvious have nothing but contempt for her. And to add to it, they're carrying the stones they plan to throw at her. How about you? But that would make me just a bit uneasy. Besides that, they bring her to Jesus. Who she may have heard about, very likely, but does not yet know. In her mind, they're bringing her to the religious authority to get the final authority and permission to stone her to death. Publicly, the crowd would begin to grow and gather. Maybe a few more of them picked up stones. We don't know. They presented the issue to Jesus. What do you say? And instead of answering, he simply knelt down and began to write in the dirt. We have no idea what he wrote. One, I think, of one of the best guesses is that he probably began to write sins of those who brought her to him. Or maybe just began to write sin, period. And while they were demanding an answer, they were watching what he wrote. My guess is, so was she. And maybe the guilt was worse, seeing those words. Jesus then stood up, looked at them and said, whichever one of you is without sin. Maybe while they're looking at that list he wrote in the dirt. Whichever one of you is without sin, throw the first stone. Imagine the woman now standing there waiting for the first stone to hit her. And she hears the first stone, but it misses. And the next one, and the next one. And she realizes they aren't throwing them, they're dropping them and walking away. My guess is she's not even looking up because that would have been uncalled for and bold. Her head is probably still down, but eyes open and kind of like when we're praying and you're looking to see if anybody else is looking. And she sees them begin to walk away and wonders what's going on. And here's the thud of some of those rocks either dropped or slammed in frustration into the ground. Now, let me just insert my own commentary here. Notice it says the older ones left first. I'm convinced it's because they had a lot more experience and knew more of what they had done. And went, if that's, if that's the rule, I can't throw a stone. And when that was all done, it was just she and Jesus I believe at that moment when he spoke to her, she lifted her head for the first time. And Jesus always looked at people. One of the tough things about preaching is that up here, I look out over you, but we can't really do eye to eye. Because there are sometimes in certain parts of a message when I wish I was sitting knee to knee with you to look you in the eye, make sure you understood Jesus loves you. Or God's grace 
is already given to you. Jesus looking at her, not with contempt. For the first time, she would have seen someone look at her with love and grace. Not lust, love. Not anger, but true compassion. And then he asks her, who's condemning you? Where are they? I believe at that moment is the first time she felt the courage to, with her head up, really look around to see if anybody else was still there. I believe when she did that, she saw some stones scattered. And she said, no one. And then waiting for his judgment to hear him say with unexpected grace, then neither do I. Now insert yourself into her spot. Standing before Jesus and hearing him say to you, neither do I condemn you. Unexpected grace. What can we gather? How can we use this in our own lives? Let's take a look. First of all, we have to understand that unexpected grace arrives when you least deserve it. She had been caught, not just rumored, not just heard, not just mentioned on Facebook. She had been caught. In the act of adultery. She was a married woman. Having an adulterous affair. We know she was married. Because they were going to stone her. And there were different rules. For one who was married. And one who was not married. Having an affair. They caught her. But when I was studying this. The last two weeks. So I mean. Go ahead and fasten your seatbelt because this one's been in the works for a while. When I typed that out, when you least deserve it, I then added, that's all of us. All of us are at the point of least deserving of grace. For you see, we all have a past. We don't really need to be reminded of it because we remember it. Now, the problem is we don't always remember it accurately. We remember it often worse than it was. We remember it with shame and guilt. But you see, grace says our past does not have to be our present nor our future. Your past does not need to be your present. It does not need to be your current situation. And it certainly does not need to be your future. Because of grace. Because Jesus loves you. Right as you are. Right where you are. Even if you have never acknowledged him. He still loves you. Say so how could that be? Take a look at the crucifixion. While on the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. And that included to those who put him there, those who lied about him, those who beat him, 
those who had spit on him, those who had jammed a crown of thorns on his head. Unexpected grace. When you least deserve it, which is all of us. Unexpected grace when you least expect it, which is always. I mean, when do we expect it? When you least expect it, when you are wrestling with guilt and more. We don't expect grace at that point. You certainly wouldn't expect grace when caught in the act and publicly exposed. Too many times guilt and fear cloud our thinking and our understanding. However, it is great to be surprised by grace. Some of you like surprises. I'm okay with them most of the time. Some of you do not like surprises, but let me guarantee you this is one you love. To be surprised by grace. This moment, this morning, at this place. Some of you are being surprised by grace. Because for one of the first times in your life. The Holy Spirit has made connection with your heart. And you're beginning to believe that it's possible that this is for you. Let me just say, it is absolutely for you. Now, Satan's trying to tell you what I've been saying is for those sitting around you, but it doesn't apply to you and remind you of your past. But you see, grace knows the past and forgives anyway. Grace says that created some issues. It's put you in the situation you're in today, but I still love you. Being surprised by grace. Unexpected grace, even when you don't understand it. Imagine her, verses 6 through 8, when they were testing Jesus and what should we do? Moses said we should stone her and they were just trying to put Jesus to the test. They were trying to get him to throw a stone. Instead, he threw grace, which is so much greater. What's sad is that all those who accused her walked away. Before they could have heard, neither do I condemn you. Because if they'd have stayed, they could have heard the same words. That's grace. Unexpected grace. You see, grace is unexpected anytime you receive it. Right? We don't expect grace. But here's some of the best news you will ever hear to overcome one of the greatest objections you have carried around with accepting Jesus. And that is that understanding 
is not a prerequisite for experiencing grace. Understanding Christ is not a prerequisite for receiving Christ. Understanding grace is not a prerequisite to receive grace. Understanding unconditional love is not a prerequisite to be loved unconditionally. Understanding salvation is not a prerequisite to be saved. See, some of you have hidden behind, I don't understand. Or Satan has said, until you understand it, you can't get it. Now, we don't believe that in much of anything else. We go out and start the car, and most of us have no clue how that really happens. And you're going to go home and you're going to flip the lights on. And most of us don't really realize how that happens. You go, sure, I flipped the switch. No, I mean how it happened. But somehow we believe the lie that we have to understand this thing of grace, this thing of forgiveness, this thing of love before we can ever experience it. And that's a lie. Understanding is not a prerequisite to receive grace or love or forgiveness. Or salvation. You see, unexpected grace changes lives. Unexpected grace changes lives. Verses 8 through 11, look at the change that took place. Verse 9, when they heard it, they went away one by one. Then Jesus, one-on-one with her, asked her who condemns her. No one. You find it interesting that when he asked her that, she didn't say, well, maybe you. (laughs) You see, Jesus was already looking at her like he's looking at you today. And when we let Jesus look at us, when we look back, we see grace and love. We feel forgiveness, sometimes for the first time. That unexpected grace changes lives because grace will always create changed lives. It'll change yours. It'll change others if you accept it and live it, which is what we've been called to do. Kyle Eidelman, in his outstanding book, One at a Time, says Jesus with, every, with Jesus, every story of destruction has a chance to end in celebration. Every story of destruction, according to the world, has a chance to end in celebration, according to Jesus. <laughs> How awesome is that? That what you thought was meant to destroy you, God says, no, we're going to turn that around and redeem you. What you thought meant you couldn't ever, Jesus said, no, yes, you can because of who I am and what I've done. My unexpected grace changed lives. For you see, grace when received produces forgiveness. Jesus 
said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and from now on sin no more. I don't condemn you. You do not need to live this way anymore. But if you've been following Christ for a while, make sure you hear this. We love the concept of grace. We love the concept of forgiveness intellectually and theoretically. But too often we struggle to live it out practically with those around us. We love the thought of forgiveness until there's something for us to forgive. We love the thought of grace when we're receiving it. We struggle to share it at times. But I believe that unless we can share grace, I'm not sure we've actually received grace. For you see, we are called to be forgivers as well as forgiven. We are called to forgive others like we've been forgiven. Say, well, who do I need to forgive? There's a very simple formula of who you need to forgive and who you don't. You do not have to forgive anyone. Make sure you hear this. You do not have to forgive anyone that Jesus won't forgive. In other words, we're to forgive everyone. Is that easy? Not on your life. Does it change lives? Absolutely. Starting with us and then others. Forgiveness. Now there's a difference and we don't have time this morning in this message to deal with the difference between forgiving someone and trusting and on and on that goes. But we do need to understand that grace, God's grace, his amazing grace, unexpected as it is, demands that lives be changed. Unexpected grace because Jesus loves you. And he loves you too much to just leave you that way. Unexpected grace that we've been called to share with others. So I have to ask you, have you been embraced by grace? It's already been given. The question is, are you living in grace? Are you extending grace to others? And is forgiveness evident in your life? Do those who know you best describe you as one who forgives? Grace, unexpected grace, produces that in us. I challenge you on two points. Number one, 
have you received and accepted this grace, this unexpected, unconditional, loving grace for yourself? If you haven't, you can do that right now, right here. You don't have to take a test. You don't have to get up and say it in front of everybody. I won't stop you if you do, but you don't have to do that. You just have to say, here I am, Lord. Yes. And then secondly, are you living in this grace toward others? Are you marked by grace so that others see it and recognize it and feel it in you? If not, you can confess that and begin doing it right now. Let's pray together. I'm just asking this moment that if this is the moment when you say yes to the Lord to receive grace for yourself. Whether it's a renewal or it's a first time thing. Remember, you don't have to understand it all to receive it. To experience it. I would just ask in this moment, if this is that moment for you, I want to celebrate with you. I'm not going to embarrass you in front of others. I'm not going to ask you to do anything other than this. To just raise your hand and acknowledge and say, yes, I accept this grace. This day, in this moment. Thank you. God bless you. Saying this is the time. Oh, God bless you. And I also wonder if you're here this morning and you're saying, the way you've described it, the way the scripture shows it to me, I'm not sure I've been living this out in front of others. I want to confess that this morning and commit to living unexpected grace in front of and toward others. And this is the moment you make that declaration. Would you just raise your hand for a moment? Oh, God bless you, many of you. This is a change. Jesus, you are so awesome. Your grace is amazing. And because of that, it is so unexpected. Lord, I know from personal experience, how undeserving I am of your grace. But I thank you that you've given it. Lord, I pray for those this morning that said this is the time, this is the moment that they choose to accept your grace. Lord, speak in their heart. May they feel your presence and your touch. May they know that something has happened and something has changed as they have become embraced by your grace. That they have begun to believe not only that you love them, but that you forgive. And that you are showering them with your grace. Lord, may they leave from here confident that they are your child. And Lord, I pray for those who are making a declaration saying, I want to live in this grace. 
Some who've recognized that at least to a few in their life, they haven't been extending that. So they confess that. Ask your forgiveness and make a commitment through your power, the power of your Holy Spirit to go from here, living in grace and sharing it unexpectedly. Lord, I pray for those who are already living that way, that you would empower them and encourage them in their spirit to keep living in this unexpected, unimaginable almost grace. Oh Lord, thank you for meeting us today. Thank you for your message of grace and love and forgiveness. And thank you for changed lives in this moment and for what we will see this week. In Jesus' name, we declare these things. Amen.